0: From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than
1: First and Pod, hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filippone. All right, here we go on the uh, Score YouTube page, and for all our podcast listeners too, this is First and Pod after Week 13, as Danny likes to say. Subscribe, rate, review. I'm Andrew Filippone from 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. Danny is. Somewhere gallivanting around with his wife. So he's not here and in his place is our good pal Mike Meltzer uh, based in Houston. He is a gigantic Michigan fan. So he's had a hell of a weekend. He follows the Texans, but he also roots for the Jets. So he has been through a lot in the last 24 to 48 hours. So we're happy that Mike is uh, the replacement here for Danny on this show. Uh, We're going to react first, Mike, to what we just watched with the Chiefs and Packers. Uh, Quick story on that whole deal. Our mutual friend, Nick Wright from Fox Sports (laughs) 1 and First Things First, I said on Thursday's podcast that I liked Green Bay money line. so he was on my case all night and all week really to bet him on that and to put my money where my mouth is to take Green Bay. I chickened out and never did it. And now, not only do I feel bad because I would have won money from him, but come to find out, Mike, he was watching the game in Los Angeles with diehard Packers fan Lil Wayne. And the thought that he would have lost that bet to me while watching with (laughs) Lil Wayne is now excruciating that I could have had that over him for the rest of my life. So I am disappointed in that way. My take integrity was right. I didn't win any money from him. So it could have been better. still okay for me that I liked Green Bay in this spot. And And really, Mike, I know there's there's a few things in this game that are worth getting into. But I'm gonna say first and foremost, 19 points from Kansas City, I mean, this is now a pattern with them where they don't play these huge offensive games like they have for years. They came out of their funk in the second half against the Raiders. And a lot of Chiefs diehard said, okay, something clicked there. And then it was more of the same against Green Bay and their defense could not bail them out. And so, Mike, really for the first time, not only is the offense still stagnant for them, but based on other results in the NFL this week, I think there's real concern there now that they're not going to get that number one seed. And this is the first time all year where I would say the Chiefs are in real danger of having to go on the road and win an AFC for the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era. Would you agree with that?
0: I would agree with that, yes, because you look at Baltimore, who I think is better, Miami, who is now at 9-3. and Whatever we think of Miami.
1: Very easy schedule.
0: Yes, and they like Dallas. They just basically obliterate teams that are worse than they are. Which, And at this point, they've already banked in the nine wins. Like, I'm not incredibly down on Kansas City, but they're, as you pointed out, Pony, they're not the same team that they have been the last couple of years. And, I mean, the obvious is to go to the receivers, and I think they were a little bit better today. And I do think Mahomes needs to take a little – I don't think he played that well tonight specifically. Now, they got screwed with the lack of defensive pass interference in the final drive. It was an eight-point deficit, so no guarantee anyway. But the interception wasn't good. He was 21 for 33. I just kind of keep he got
1: outplayed by Jordan Love. Let's call it what it is. Great better quarterback was in a Packers uniform tonight.
0: Yes, you were a thousand percent right. The better quarterback was on the other sideline, which you never ever ever say in the Mahomes era. And I know this is more of a big picture than small picture, but rarely does a team that is trying to be a dynasty trade away willingly a foundational player pony. Not like somebody who's like on that second or third circle if you're diagramming a team. But a foundational player in Tyreek Hill. And even though they won a Super Bowl, so you're not going to go back and like criticize that they've invested more in the line, the defense, it's gotten better. Like the whole thing everybody listening right now or watching knows, but it has had a really serious effect on this year's team because offensively it just feels it's not like it's a bad offense, obviously, but it feels much more labored than it has been the last five years. No question. It feels they got a
1: they got a big rushing performance by Pacheco. It still wasn't even close to enough to win this game. Uh, Yeah, they've got the tiebreaker on Jacksonville and Miami because they beat those teams head-to-head. The game against Jacksonville was on the road. The game against Miami was in Germany. So if they're tied at the end of the year, they'll still win out and get the number one seed. But right now, I'm just not convinced that they're going to finish with a better record than either one of those two teams. And as far as Green Bay is concerned, and they were talking about this all night on NBC, like, It's going to take a lot for them now to screw this up and not make the playoffs. Yes. And Matt LaFleur and those guys look dead in the water. They were not scoring points. They were going full first halves without touchdowns and something clicked against the team that I cover and root for the Steelers where they lost the game, but offensively, Jordan love was really good against that top notch defense. And since then You know, they've looked like the youngest offensive team in the NFL, and those guys have grown up. All the while, Aaron Jones isn't able to play. So a game that weeks ago seemed like it was a nothing game, Mike, Packers-Rams, that we barely talked about on this podcast. Now that Green Bay won that game, Mm -hmm. that is a huge tiebreaker for them. And I would think right now that they're going to make the playoffs, and I would predict on this podcast right now live, that the NFC North is going to put three teams in the playoffs this year, Detroit, Minnesota, and Green Bay. So that's our reaction to the Sunday night game. We'll get into the rest of the games now. Mike, you're going to have to help me because I was at the Steelers game against the Cardinals for yep. that whole weather delay. It was a complete disaster.
0: <laughs> that that, uh, that feels like one yeah, – other than Jets-Falcons, that feels like one of the worst games to go to on this particular <laughs> Sunday. Thank
1: goodness I was in a suite, so I had – You know, luxurious accommodations that made it uh, easy to (laughs) wait that whole thing out. The result was terrible and everything else that happened in that game, which we'll get to here. But I did get home in time to watch the 49ers uh, lay waste to the Eagles. And Danny, to his credit, multiple times, both last Sunday and Thursday, was convinced that this game was going to be a blowout and that San Francisco was going to distance itself, really, as it turns out, from everybody else in the NFL, it was going to clearly look like the best team in the league. Number one, Mike, did you feel that way going into this game? And number two, would you want to push back on that at all, that the 49ers are now by far the best team in the NFL?
0: I'm a little surprised that they blew them out the way that they did. But, Pony, I think it's super clear that – when San Francisco has the right pieces, healthy and available, those pieces being Debo, Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey, when those guys are, and Kittle, when those guys are healthy, this is the best team in the NFL. That does not mean they're guaranteed to win the Super Bowl, as we know. But when those guys are healthy and assuming reasonable health throughout the roster, they are the best team in football. And one of the things I liked about today's Game Pony is – I think San Francisco at times in this era has been kind of a bully in that when they get up on you, they're incredibly difficult to beat. But when things are kind of a struggle early, then they can kind of like, it becomes very hard for them in this game. It did not start off well for them. Philadelphia marches down the field. San Francisco goes, you know, they go, they go, they go three and out, three and out, and then they're down six, nothing when they get the ball. And that's when they completely turn the game around. I look at this team as, I think they probably have the most talent in football, but I worry about them sometimes when they don't get off the good starts. That happened today, and they bludgeoned Philadelphia. And honestly, Pony, as somebody with no dog in the fight, I am very glad that Philadelphia team with that you know stupid the the the, the sideline security guy. I don't want to hear about Dom, whatever. Like, <laughs> please stop telling me how this team like knows how to win or has some like miraculous gene in them. They play close games. When you play close games all the time, you will get bitten, and they got bitten big time today at
1: home. Yeah, that chooch from the Eagles, that coach, uh, who they were serenading there, because he's this big Italian tough guy, ridiculous. Who got into it with Greenlaw? Greenlaw got thrown out of the game, right? I didn't, I didn't yes. uh, hallucinate that. That's yes. a trade you make every time. <laughs> Eagles <laughs> I'll trade my security guy for like their second uh, best or third best defensive player. I mean, in a way I do, I do congratulate that guy on that for egging on one of their best defensive players. But yeah, I, that, that dude should be suspended from their next game. Uh, I thought when the Eagles settled for field goals, it was uh, a warning sign that they didn't get more out of those opening possessions and San Francisco made them pay. Uh, Debo Samuel talked the talk and he walked the walk in this game. I mean, he called out Bradbury and he's been talking since that game, that NFC championship game. And I thought that might backfire on him because the Eagles, they beat winning teams. Uh, They don't lose a lot of games with Jalen Hurts and they were playing at home. And so I thought that would be a motivating factor for them as an underdog. As it turned out, there's just a talent disparity or gap between these two teams right now. And not to, Not to simplify it too much, Mike, but you know, in these games where you think great roster is from top to bottom, is it going to come down to the most important position quarterback? I think Philadelphia would like to think that with Jalen Hurts, they have an edge over San Francisco. And I would have thought that going into the year. I don't think that's the case anymore. You know, I've really been an anti purdy guy as a system quarterback as somebody that just takes advantage of the personnel and the and the coach he has. And maybe a little bit of that showed up when uh, Samuel was out and Williams was hurt during that three-game losing streak. But when they're healthy, he is as good as any quarterback in the league right now. And I would include Patrick Mahomes in that statement based on what we've seen from Mahomes this year. So I didn't think they could win a Super Bowl with Purdy as their quarterback before the season started. I take back that comment. And I think right now, Tua would be my pick for MVP. Dak would be second, Mike. Okay. And I would put Purdy third behind those two guys. I mean, He's been I, that good. I, too, have my own deep
0: questions about, like, if you built an NFL team exclusively around Brock Purdy, what that might look like. And this team is obviously not that because it's built around having one of the three best running backs in football, having these dominant skill guys and Debo. I mean, you saw it on the catch and run today where he broke the linebackers tackle. And he's just between the physicality and the speed. It feels like he's unstoppable. But as far as the the party part goes, I get the natural hesitation, like with his physical limitations, but there comes a point where like pony, we get to this point in the season. And today I like the QBR metric. This is against Philly's defense, which has a lot of talent weaknesses at linebacker. Now, you know, four touchdowns, no picks QBR of 82. I actually like that stat. And now we're up to, and I don't know, let me check if this, this is including today's game. It is 23 touchdowns, six interceptions. He leads the league in QBR. Like, I don't know if we had a league-wide draft of quarterbacks, he'd go top five. But as far as what he is doing right now, I don't know what I can ask him to do right. more than what he is doing right now. That's exactly right. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal.
1: This is the third time Miami has scored more than 40 points in a game this year. So how good is this team, Mike?
0: I think they are. Okay. Let's put it this way. If I'm going to compare them to, let's say the lions who have a similar thing where they beat up on, on bad teams and don't really measure up well against top competition. I trust Miami more because I believe in the coaching and the scheme a little bit more. Um, but Man, against inferior competition, like I don't, <laughs> I don't know how many teams are built to just eviscerate inferior competition between their scheme and their speed and their wide receivers. But I'm still going to have some doubts until they actually do it against one of the very best teams in the AFC.
1: Well, I'm, is that I'm, is that me? Is that me? No, kinda, no, you're kinda, not, kinda, no, you're not. Am being, I equivocating
0: you're not, too much? I no, just, you're, I, I don't you're, believe. You're, you're yeah, you're,
1: be, you're not being a hater. Um they they're in this stretch. We talked about this a few weeks ago where it's, I think five straight games against teams with a losing record and they're smack dab in the middle of that right now. And we're not going to find out about this team. I think they have back-to-back games against the Ravens and Cowboys late in the season. They do. Yep. That's going to be when we discuss, and then the bills after that in week 18. Yes. So that's really when we get to, you know, they had this run last December where they played good teams and they lost all the games and then Tua got hurt again. Uh, so, you know, the bottom fell out for them. I think it's fair to be skeptical. I know I am. Um, I didn't think they'd blow out the commanders today, the way that they did. I thought Washington would get a bump from firing Del Rio and Rivera, taking over the play calling. <laughs> nope. And, no. And, <laughs> and Howell has a way of, you know, sometimes, especially against the Eagles, he plays well. Yeah. So I thought that was going to happen today. I give Miami marks winning the way that they did. But the AFC to me, I'll I'll make this about I'll make this a broad comment about the conference. You know, I think if I wasn't in Pittsburgh, I think I would feel very confident in saying that the Ravens were the best team. But the problem for me is every time I see the Ravens play the Steelers, they don't look like that team, Mike. I see their quarterback at his worst and I see their coach at his worst when he matches up against the team that I cover. So because of that, it makes the conference look like it's anybody's ball game. In fact, I think it would be a year where like if Buffalo could get in as a six or seven seed, they could win it playing games on the road like Tampa did a few years ago. But yes. Um, so I'm with you. Like, I don't want to come across as someone that's like, you know, hugely anti dolphins. Cause I do like their coach and, Tyreek Hill should win Offensive Player of the Year, but I'm like you. They're the NFC Cowboys for me. I got to see them beat somebody good before I completely buy in. All right, next game is the Colts and Titans, which I moved up the rundown because the game was so good. It was probably the best game of the entire day. The game went to overtime. This is the Colts' first five-game winning streak in five years. And we have a diehard listener, his name's Colts fan, Greg, who loves this podcast, who is excited that we're finally talking about the Colts and it's not 40 minutes into the podcast. So my question for you, Mike, you're an AFC South guy. Is Indy going to make the playoffs? All right. So now they're at seven and five.
0: So I'm looking at this and boy, you look at the schedule at Cincinnati, home Steelers at the Falcons, home Raiders and home Texans, I don't think they really belong there spiritually. I'm going to say yes. I believe in this coach. Uh, you've got a lot of big coaching moves in the AFC South, which we'll get to over the course of this episode. But, you know, you get, again, the five-game winning streak. Like, you know, the, the punts were – the special teams were such a big deal in this two game. block it- punts. Yeah, two block punts. They got nine points. Uh, and they off knocked of,
1: the punter out, Nick Falk had to punt for the Titans at the end of this game.
0: Yeah, that's right, which also affected the game because it potentially led to a missed extra point by Falk because Tannehill Ed came hold. in as the holder. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if he did anything wrong on the replay, but maybe it kind of skews uh, with, the, with the natural chemistry, whatever. Boy, like... I mean, Pony, a team, you you cross-compare this team to, with, with, let's say, the Jets, right? And Indianapolis loses its franchise quarterback, even though we don't know a lot about him yet in Richardson. They have Minshew, a viable backup, and Steichen has just done, done an excellent job. It's largely against weak competition, and there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL, but they're 7-5 and five, like without a whole lot of impressive talent in the roster. They did this without Jonathan Taylor. Uh, based on the seven bank wins and that schedule, I think they're going to make the playoffs. They got to
1: get three of those wins, I think. I agree, Mike. It's a, Today was a swing game for them. People yep. probably don't think of the Titans as a good win, but Tennessee was undefeated at home and winless on the road. Uh, they had lost in London to Baltimore, and they had won their games in Nashville, and they had lost everywhere else. Uh, you know That's a weird dichotomy with them, where they're a Jekyll and Hyde team. And so... You know, for Minchu to win this game. And now, like you said, the teams that they're going to fight with for these playoff spots, the Steelers are, that game is in Indy on a Saturday. And the Houston game they have left is at home and they've already beaten them head to head in Houston in week yep. two. So I do think they'll make it. I said to Danny on our last episode at the end of the podcast, Steichen's got to start to get recognition for coach of the year. And he hasn't it because it's really, It isn't sexy because there's no CJ Stroud storyline there. There's like, it's not Dan Campbell trying to revitalize a franchise that's been dead for 30 years, but just on its own merits, this is one of the great coaching jobs in the NFL this season. And they gutted it out today. They're not a great team on paper. One of their best players has a debilitating back injury, Shaq Leonard, and had to get cut. Yep. Jonathan Taylor's out now. Richardson got hurt. Yeah. I mean, I I, think great culture win for them in a team that uh, is very much under the radar, but I'm with you. I think they will make the playoffs. Okay. So let's go to the game where you are in Houston, the Broncos and Texans. This came right down to the wire. Mike Russell Wilson, you know, for the last few weeks, it's been about him making plays late and in the clutch interception at the end of the game. He threw three in this game. We just said the Colts are going to sneak in. Does that mean the good vibes for the Broncos are gone? Did their kind of renaissance season go up in flames in Houston today? I
0: don't know if all the good vibes are gone because I think if you're a Bronco fan, the thing that you have to find solace in is that no matter what the conversation has been about Sean Payton the last two years— Sean Payton can still coach high-quality football because I don't think that team is ultra-talented. I think what he's done with Russ has been pretty good despite the three picks. I would just look at it as, in terms of the swing game you mentioned for Indianapolis about two or three minutes ago, this was a huge swing game for both Houston and Denver fighting for that 6-7 seed. The fact that the Texans won, got the tiebreaker, was big. I just think if you're Denver, you were starting from such a hole. You dug out with a five-game winning streak. But then you look at it, now you drop to 500. And I know the Chargers aren't great, but like I'm guessing they're going to be underdogs next week in Los Angeles. I'm not 100% sure. They will be. they yeah, will they be. Will for be. Sure. So at the Chargers, at the Lions, home pats should be a win. They got to face the Chargers twice, and they finish up at the Raiders. I just think for this team, as limited as it is, this most likely knocks them out. Not definitively, but most likely.
1: Mike, if I were on the air in Denver, and they've got some good sports talk stations there. Yes. Um, you know, I would be very tempted, despite what they did in the five games to set this game up and make this a really important game. I would be of the mindset to want to rip them on Monday. Hmm. Because I feel like they let one get away, and this was a huge wasted opportunity.
0: But how... How could you say that though? In, and I I know you're about to go into it, but the Texans really had control of this game from start to finish. Well, like, but
1: they, but 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 there there you go, right there. I mean, should Houston, if you're the Broncos, based on what these teams have invested in this season, yeah, Houston should not be a team that controls it from the get go against you. You limited Kansas City in the two games you played against them to one touchdown. You went to Buffalo and you won you shouldn't take a back seat to this Houston team whatsoever. And like, I just feel like what ended up happening with Denver this year is they got off to such a bad start that in season, the bar got lowered so far down for them that now a competitive loss and an end of a long winning streak, it's almost looked at like, well, Hey, you know, give them a pat on the fanny, give them credit for, at least being competitive and being relevant. That wouldn't be good enough for me as a Broncos fan.
0: Yeah, I just – I don't think the team is that talented and that good. The Texans, for what it's worth –
1: Mike, if you're a Broncos fan, if you're going to watch the Steelers, Browns, and Colts potentially make the playoffs, like, that would kill me. That would eat me up inside based on the team that I have agreed on
0: the Browns and Steelers, but I think like put it this way in the DVOA stats, Cleveland's 11, the Texans are 12th and Denver is 22nd, like as an overall team heading into these games on Sunday. So I can see that my, my bigger thing with Denver would be, I think it's clear that Sean Payton has raised the floor of rust to a decent level, but they can get out of, you know, some portion of that deal and kind of split the cap hits moving forward. I'm wondering if, if you're Denver, like Sean Payton really knows at this point, Russ's weaknesses and strengths if he's going to be motivated to pull the ripcord even though he raised that floor just because of the you don't think so no I don't Hmm. because that's going to be they might need to restructure I need to look into that but like if they're going to keep going with this it's going to be a a heavy investment with a quarterback that I don't think has nearly the same ceiling that he once did I also pony real quick I want to mention one thing about Houston on this because this this is a big theme to me on the Texan side the last this this game was not about D'Amico Ryan so much or C.J. Stroud. The last two number three overall picks in the NFL draft, Pony, Will Anderson today had by far his best football game, and he's played generally well. Four quarterback hits, two sacks, two tackles for loss, a pass defense. One of those led to a Derek Stingley pick, which then brings me to him real quick. The the third overall pick back in 2022, very controversially over Sauce Gardner. That dude finally has gotten healthy. And, Pony, I think he played his best football game since 2019 as a true freshman at LSU. He had one pick off the Anderson tip, and then the second one, I don't know if you saw, but was with about nine minutes to go, Sutton had beaten Jalen Petrie deep. Stingley, like, completely in phase, goes up, makes the interception. It was like a teaching tape kind of play. I thought for Houston, the two guys, forget about C.J. Stratton, what he's done, but the other guys they've picked at number three overall, Will Anderson and Derek Stingley won them this football game.
1: And Tank Dell lost for the season, it looks like, which is a yes. killer That's for a big Houston because he's been so uh, important to them. All right. The next game is the game I had to sit through. Cardinals and Steelers. Steelers had the worst loss of the day by far. <laughs> and so the question here is, are they in trouble? You're damn right. They're in trouble. And maybe in the sense that because of the way their schedule is set up, they can still backdoor their way into the playoffs and limp their way their bleeding bloody carcass to 10 wins and make the playoffs but what happened today to me was an indictment on Mike Tomlin and this whole idea Mike and maybe it's different for you because you're not in the fishbowl like I am yes but this idea that he is you know one of these great NFL coaches who raises the level of his team and makes them competitive and relevant at all times. They came out even before the picket injury. They settled for a field goal on their opening drive. And then they did absolutely nothing after that. They had one drive where the driver picket got hurt. They got to the Arizona one yard line. Kenny was injured, his, hurt his ankle. Then they went shotgun on fourth and goal. Didn't get it on a Najee run. Yep. Allowed for Arizona to go 99 yards and score a touchdown there. That was the game. It took all of the life out of the stadium, out of them, wind out of their sails. They were never the same. They end up losing. Uh, it's a terrible look. It's probably, if you think about it, Mike, it's probably the worst loss in the NFL this season. If you think, about man, it. <laughs> you guys well, are really. <laughs> no, but like, think about in terms of. Who are the bad teams?
0: Make Patriots that,
1: make that Jets. short list. How many of them have gone on the road and won this year? The Jets won in New in the the Patriots won in New in in New York very early in the year and beat Zach Wilson. Yeah, okay. The, who cares? The Eagles
0: right? lost to the Jets, but that was on when the Jets road. were better.
1: That was on the road, though.
0: That was on the road. Yeah,
1: that was on the road. Yes, the Arizona, Cardinals beat the Cowboys in home. Arizona. I don't think any team lost a game at home to a team this bad all year. Yeah, I can see that. Here's my counter. Mike Stafford had four touchdowns. Kyron Williams went for nine yards to carry last week against them. There were film people on Twitter who said the biggest mismatch they saw all year was Rams offense against Cardinals defense. It didn't look like two NFL teams on the field against each other and this team had three points with five minutes left in the fourth quarter
0: I get here's what I would say to 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 try to counter it and I think you make you make good points that if you kind of structure it with viable NFL teams losing at home and who have they lost to I may have a hard time going through the schedule and finding a worse particular performance but and this is not revolutionary. Like Arizona has been, with the exception of a few games, the Cleveland game last week against the Rams, they've been largely competitive for decent portions of their games. And now they have Kyler back. And even though they've made some trades, they lost hurts this week, like they're still going to be competitive. I just, I look at the Steelers and I just have a lot of isolated, like random thoughts. I mean, it, it's hard for me because I, I I saw all the stuff from Pittsburgh today on social media. I saw it. And what I struggle with is, okay. It's so bad, but they're seven and five. Like they're seven and five with a team that I don't think is like ultra talented. Now, there are big problems like the quarterback situation. Uh, I don't know why your receivers are constantly in the news. Like, you would think these guys are like Rice in Montana. Like, why are these guys always being talked about? I know, like, dude. I, I'm, Pony, I am frustrated for you,
1: and I'm not even there. Like, why are they in the news so much? What, what is this? The, the 99 Rams? Like, what's going on with these? Guys? Johnson celebrated a touchdown to make it a two touchdown game today. Yes. I, down, I saw down that. 24 3. He's dancing in the end zone like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. I I, I appreciate you saying that because that makes me feel like I still have my sanity.
0: You do. Uh, so why, why, other than just the loss, I get the feeling from you that there's something deeper here than just the individual performance that makes this so bad for Pittsburgh.
1: Well, yeah, Mike. I mean, they've got one of the highest paid defenses in the entire NFL, and they went against Arizona today. Yes. And they got worked over. So it's bad. Uh, we got to move on, though, before this goes off the rails and I start. flipping out browns and rams now my take on this game might surprise you so i have written down here la scored more than 30 in this game would you pick both one or neither to make the playoffs so that score that we see on on our youtube page says 36 to 19 rams i'm gonna surprise i'm gonna surprise you i think the browns have a better chance to make the playoffs And I think they need to stick with uh, Flacco, regardless of what happens with Thompson Robinson in concussion protocol. Because I think behind a better offensive line than what he had in New York or even Baltimore years ago, I think he can actually make enough plays here, Mike, to get them through a very easy schedule the rest of the way. So I actually think there's hope for the Browns, despite having lost two in a row and getting kind of blown out today.
0: Okay, so the question is both, one, or neither team. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm the picking play. the
1: Browns, even though they lost.
0: If you put a gun to my head, I'm, just, I'm comparing the schedules that are left for these teams. So the Rams, before I give you an answer, the Rams have at Baltimore, Commanders, Saints, both home, at the Giants, at the 49ers. I think they'll need to win three more of those. I think Cleveland needs to win three more. They've got seven home Jacksonville, home Bears, at Texans, home Jets, at Bengals. I'm going to say this. I'll say – I'm going to say that – I'm going to say I'm going to say say both. I'm going to say both. I believe in McVay. Stafford maybe looks a little healthier. Nakua played very well. This game, by the way, was not – was not truly 36-19. There was a late score in there this one. There was
1: a late score, exactly, yeah.
0: Um, I think your point about Flacco is a fair one. He played decently, although he had a classic Flacco like at the end of the game when they still have a chance, just like heaves the ball, you know, yep. 65 yards in the air that's picked off that you're going to get with him. But I think your your statement about going with the veteran with this offensive line over DTR is probably their best course of action.
1: Uh, lions and Saints. Lions survived the shootout. They got a big lead. They almost gave it back. They're 9-3 and for the first time since 1962. Are you confident right now that they'll win a playoff game, Mike?
0: I am not confident that they'll win a playoff game. Now, they are going to be the three seed, barring something really surprising, right? Yeah, we're going to beat out the
1: NFC South champion for that three seed.
0: Yes. And they're they not going to be behind
1: the Niners and whoever wins the NFC East. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So there'll be a the three. So you're facing a You're looking at facing basically somewhere in the Minnesota Green Bay Rams. Like put it this way. Obviously, it's so it's matchup dependent. So I'd be much more confident against Minnesota than, let's say, Green Bay, because we've seen that or even the Rams. Um, I like that they held off the Saints, but God, Pony, like if you get off to the lead, they got off to, I think they were up, what, 24-7 at one point? 21 nothing. Yeah. I think. Yeah, twenty-one nothing and twenty-four seven. I do not like Aaron Glenn's defense allowing yards, points. Like I give Goff credit for making some late plays to seal this win, but I just I don't trust the Lions' defense. I think they're a, they're they're an inferior version of Miami uh, in the AFC, as I mentioned earlier. And I believe in the offense and the coaching on offense. I just don't. I do not trust that defense.
1: So I brought this up to Danny on the podcast on Thursday, and I think it was ended up being clairvoyant, even though. I did ultimately like New Orleans to win the game. I said to him, I think when this season is is over and the obituary is written on the 2023 Lions, you're going to look at the fact that Dan Campbell was loyal to his defensive assistant coaches, and that's why the season ended prematurely. And had he gone out and done something like the Browns did with Jim Schwartz or the Dolphins did with Vic Fangio, uh, or even Denver with Vance Joseph. Yep. I think that they would be in a much better spot right now. I think they're one of the worst coach defenses in the league. I think it's it's the opposite of the summon parts. I think they've got I think they've got better players than the results there. And I think that Campbell was loyal to Aaron Glenn because of their longstanding relationship as two ex-players who were with each other in New Orleans as assistants, and I think it's going to backfire on them. Now, it's not in the way that they're still going to make the playoffs and maybe in Detroit, given all their problems, that's going to be looked at as a successful season. It probably will. But I think it's going to get capped out, Mike, and I think it's going to hit a ceiling earlier than it should because of what you said. I I have no confidence in them winning a playoff game. I think even Minnesota, with Dobbs, could go there and beat them because of their problems defensively. So, yeah, I think it's a major issue. It's taken, in my opinion, it's taken a lot of the fun out of their season because it just is. their games are entertaining in that respect. It hasn't, but like I used to have these delusions of grandeur about Detroit maybe competing for a Super Bowl, and I don't see any way they do that now. They can't beat like the Cowboys and 49ers or Eagles and 49ers in back to back weeks. No Not way. Not like this.
0: Not like this. I know they have some guys hurt on the defensive line. Maybe they get some pieces back at some point, but I think your 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 theory on this is right. And I, I mean Danny was-
1: has said things like he thinks that Detroit can go into Philadelphia with golf and beat them. I don't see any way well, in January. I- that that could happen.
0: I'm not worried about the, uh, the offense, but this defense is just so unreliable. And I agree with your point about the sum of the parts being worse or sorry, in, in the reverse, that their pieces are better than what the ultimate product is. And I don't think this would have been like a mid season move by Dan Campbell. It's more looking back at the last year. Now I like Aaron Glenn. Like I watched him playing. I I've interviewed Aaron in person, like really nice guy. And, I guess to defend him, they did finish last season playing much better than earlier. And so maybe there was a thought that, you know, the coaching, that the the team was gelling, they added to the defense in the offseason. But now looking at it, it's hard to disagree. Like, the defense is very bad. They've invested decently into that defense. And it seems like he right now has no answers, even when they get up to these big leads in these games. I do not have faith in them.
1: Falcons and Jets, Atlanta wins. Should this end the dream of an Aaron Rodgers return? Right here. They're yeah. at loss.
0: Yeah, this should have been over, you know, a week or two ago, even before the Miami catastrophe on Black Friday. The the, the Jets are done. I, I, Pony, when I was on Sirius XM on Mad Dog Radio, uh, you know, nine, ten days ago, what I said was the thing about this 17-game regular season, which I prefer 16 games over 17, is if you're a bad team, it makes it seem like it's almost like a death march at times. And if the Jets could have pressed the button, to basically flash forward to the end of the season after the bills game with all due respect to the competitive fire of the people in that building. I think they absolutely would have pressed that button because this pony, they got five games left. How the hell are they going to get through five football games with this performance at quarterback and, and offensively in general. And the thing I'll say about that is Ian Rappaport, Glazer, anybody else from a Jets standpoint, like people are people. They need to understand the feeling of the jets fan base there is a lot of anger right now. People are tired of hearing updates about Aaron Rodgers or we're going to trade for Devontae Adams in March. Like any of this nonsense. the ne- I don't want to hear a word as a Jets fan about Rodgers, a return, offseason moves. The next thing I want to hear from Schefter, from Glazer, from Ravport is job status, positive or negative, on Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. I don't want to hear anything else. Like, you can't lose five. I'm tired of losing five games in a row, four games in a row, three games in a row, not scoring touchdowns and hearing about all these different things. When it, when it's this bad, the only thing I want to hear about from those insiders is the fate of the coach and the GM relative to
1: Rodgers, given what's happened this season. That's all I want to hear about. I don't think you're going to get one because I think organizationally, Woody Johnson looks at this season as just a punt. Like, they got screwed. I think you're right. Game. So there's not going to be any kind of uh, pound of flesh here with what's happened with the Jets. There's not going to be Nathaniel Hackett's not going to get fired. Salah's not going to lose his job. They're not going to undergo another uh, front office regime change. They're just going to write this thing off to not having Aaron Rodgers. And like, I do wonder what you said there. It's, you, you like I think what happens sometimes as football fans, when you're in it and you're having to live it day to day and week to week, and you're having to watch a team that can't score a touchdown on a weekly basis, you want heads to roll. I just yeah. and I know how passionate and how crazy Jets fans are. I just wonder when the season actually ends, and there's the okay, we are gonna have Aaron Rodgers back next year. I wonder if a lot of the rancor and uh, venom and everything else that's going on right now. is just going to go away.
0: I wonder the same thing. Like, listen, I'm not saying that they have to fire Sala and Douglas, even though I've said on the air. I think they should. I can, I can hear the argument the other way. I just wonder, like if they don't win a game the rest of the way, and there's a real chance they don't, and they finish the season on a, let me count this. I guess this would be a 10 game losing streak. Like, I'm fascinated by what those post-season news conferences are going to be like from Sala, from Douglas, like just especially Joe Douglas, who I like, like how you get up there and face the media after what you have put your fans through this season. And I know when they have Rodgers back next season, they're going to heavily invest into the backup quarterback group. Like they're going to get a viable backup. I think they'll have a viable third-string quarterback. Wait,
1: Wait, why do you think that?
0: Why do I think that? Yeah. Because they they can't. Well, I'll put it this way: they're going to get some kind of like minshew brissett. Like they will overpay. I,
1: I I don't know about that man because of rogers ego and personality. I wouldn't no, be they, sold they, on that.
0: That I will. I don't know what else is going to happen on that pony. That will happen. That okay. will happen for next season. I don't know what else is going to happen. Coach, GM, draft pick, anything. But that will happen. They will bring a. They will bring in a viable backup next season.
1: <laughs> Chargers and Patriots. This game today was unbelievable. Yes, Uh, the the Patriots get shut out. They lose six to nothing. Their defense has been incredible, and they lose all these games because they literally can't score. So I haven't asked you this question, Mike, because it's it's been Danny and I every week on these post game podcasts. What's going to happen with Belichick? I'm I'm fairly convinced he's not going to go to LA. Why is that? I've talked to enough people there that seem to think that the Spanos family's history is that they don't pay a lot and invest a lot in head coaches. Norv Turner, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, uh, Brandon Staley. And they also don't really have a history of ever ceding control to somebody that would be not only the head coach, but be the GM. and and pretty much run the entire organization. And I know they've never been in a position where, like, the winningest coach of the last 50 years has been available. But there's also a reason why he's available, Mike, because he's run that Patriots organization into the ground in the post-Brady era. So I I think, and Danny and I have talked about this, I think they're going to hire an offensive coach for Herbert. Okay. Because they haven't had one for him yet.
0: So okay. So I don't know the charter situation as well. I think the Belichick thing is is a is a real possibility because if they let go of Staley, I think Telesco's done a nice job with the roster, but like I don't know how many coaches he can survive as GM either. So they'll be in the market for a head coach. Like once they miss the playoffs, once that's official, like they're gonna hire somebody. And Belichick, I'm sure, would be very enticed by the possibility of Herbert. So Oh, I
1: think he'd want to go there. I think that would be his first choice.
0: So from be a Belichick LA. standpoint, Pony, like what do you think if L.A. was out, what do you think that means for him as far? Because I imagine he would want to keep coaching next season somewhere.
1: I know. And and, and I was sitting in uh, dirt waiting out this rain delay and they had the red zone on and the suite we were in. So they flipped over to this game at some point. And I'm just talking to people up there like, where does he go next year, man? Commanders. So people keep saying that, but. If you're if you're Bill Belichick, what about that situation other than the money and the and the I guess possibility that they're going to give you what you want in terms of roster control, what's appealing about that job? To me very little.
0: Yeah, you that's have to kind of you don't know about the quarterback and it's probably a, it's most likely going to be a no long term on the quarterback that's there. And um, it's a
1: tough division with Philly and Dallas.
0: It's a tough division. I guess if you're Belichick, you could think to yourself, okay, this team has been mismanaged by ownership. Rivera has not been a good coach. If I come in there and I bring in a, a, a viable personnel guy, they have some pieces there offensively and defensively that I could just kind of like the Sean Payton thing, like I could lift the floor of this place because it's been so mismanaged for like 25 years that I'd make the real that I'd make a real difference. So I think that – I don't know what else would be a possibility, though, as I look at the standings right now, like who we think might get fired. It's the not- only
1: other thing I would say is, based on what happened with the Giants game last week and what and what Rappaport reported a month ago about the contract extension that happened for him very quietly. Yes. Is Kraft, like, on board with how bad they've been this year? and it's going to set them up to draft one of these quarterbacks. And all the speculation is for naught and he's actually in a better place with the Patriots than we think. I mean, and I, even I, though they're frustrated with how the Mac Jones thing has gone down, yes. They're going to give him one more shot to fix this.
0: I I don't think it's a crazy crazy thought from the standpoint that like we can look at teams in we can talk about like what a great job like D'Amico Ryan's has done or somebody else has done, but without being overly obvious, like the quarterback makes such a big difference. And I think it's actually a lot of their fault too with Mac Jones, so but, li- but like the Kenny Pickett thing, I never really fully understood the logic of the pick to begin with, because I just didn't see a whole lot of upside there. Like if you can get Caleb Williams or Drake may, and you still think Belichick is a solid enough coach. And I think that the way the defense is played, he's obviously a defensive guy by trade, would lend some credence to that idea like they they've botched the offense he has botched the offense from the coaching to the players to the picks on and on and on but like if if they get it right a quarterback like houston did and they'll have every opportunity seemingly to get that done if they hold on to this number two pick like Isn't that a viable argument, even though he got you to this place at this point, like the Patriot fans I'm on text with, like high school buddies, college people like they're desperate for them to lose every single game. Because clearly, as you mentioned, the best thing for the for the future interest of the Patriots is to lose out and to land either Caleb Williams or Drake May.
1: Uh, I'm going to give you the final word on a game that if you're still with us, God bless you, that not a lot of people cared about. And that's Panthers and Bucks. The Carolina did not get the very often uh new coach bump. They sucked again today. They lost. How concerned are you about the future of that team?
0: I am very concerned. I'll try to make this very brief. I'd be concerned because of this pony. They've invested so much in Bryce Young, and they don't have their number one pick. To so where even if they, even if their honest evaluation right now was, hey, like Bryce's ceiling might be like the 14th best quarterback in football, they have absolutely no option other than to go all in on him the next two to three years before they even think about pivoting off of that because of what they've given up. That's what would worry me. Even though I really
1: like Bryce coming out of Alabama, Mike, thanks for pinch hitting for Danny. Uh, I did not have the like classic setup for today. Cause I was at a horrible, horrible game. I think I to rely on you. Thank you. Uh, Danny will be back when we do the Thursday preview, which will also coincide with me tearing my remaining hair out if the Steelers somehow lose to the Patriots on Thursday night, a Thursday night football game that Amazon previewed by showing Bill Belichick as the person (laughs) to watch for the Patriots. So, uh, Mike, thanks for hanging out with me. You can subscribe, First in Pod, on all the major podcasting platforms. When you do that, it means a lot to rate it, review it, tell people, because that's how we get paid. That's how we grow this thing. So thanks to everybody for listening on this Sunday night and watching on the Scores YouTube page. We hope we can get other Odyssey affiliates to simulcast on YouTube and maybe even pick up our show on a radio terrestrial program. So thanks again. We'll be back on Thursday with Danny. You've been listening to First and Pod.